Hey everyone. All right, so we're going to do a, a special episode here. This is a new segment called Behind the Trades. And today we're going to talk about um, basically a recap of some of the best and worst trades of the week. I'm going to go over my stats for the week and also talk about uh, finding A quality setups. And uh, one of the things that I struggled with this week, which is going to be sort of the topic of this uh, episode, is. Uh, maintaining emotional composure during uh, choppy trading markets. And that's really what we saw for a lot of this week. All right, so um, that's the agenda for today. And at the very end, we're gonna um, have a segment called Ask the Warrior. So you can uh, ask me questions, make sure you get your questions ready, and I'll get those answered for you. All right, so um, we'll start by looking at the, uh, the weekly stats, the big picture. So, uh, and this is specifically for my small account. Now, I finished the week with $5,342 in trading profits, which means my ending balance is $14,587. Now, I started with $583 on January 1st, which means I'm up over 2,400% in the last uh, this is day 18 of the small account challenge. Now, uh, today I'm up $2,249, which makes it my best day of the year. Uh, now, through the last um, five days this week, my accuracy has been 80%. My profit-loss ratio has been 1.26 to 1. So 19-cent average winners versus 15-cent average losers, which you know, it's not bad. Um, obviously, I made a couple goals at the beginning of this year. One was to increase my accuracy above 68% to try to get closer to 70 to 75%. Uh, so this week, I, I've, you know, I'm doing that. And my second goal was to try to increase my profit loss ratio to 1.5 to 1, ideally getting closer to 2 to 1. And I wasn't able to make much headway on that this week. Uh, I think one of the reasons is that uh, a few of the trades, the, the couple of losses that I took, and I only took about 16 or maybe 17 trades this week in the small account, and I had three losers, and those losers were losses of uh, $0.26, cents, I think $0.07, cents, and um, there was another one. I can't remember what the loss was. might have been $0.15. Cents. So generally speaking, the losses weren't that big, but... You know, I had one that was on the bigger side, 26 cents, and that, of course, draws down, uh, m you know, my whole ratio. It, and, you know, that's the result. But remember that this profit-loss ratio guide here, if you trade it one-to-one, -one, you only need to be right 50% of the time. And for those of you watching on uh, Facebook Live, I'll show you. You only need to be right 50% of the time when you trade with this one-to-one -one ratio. So if you trade with the two-to-one ratio... Uh, right down here, you only have to be right 33% of the time to break even. So I was trading sort of in between these two, you know, 1.26 to 1, which means my accuracy break-even point was probably around 40, you know, 46% or something like that. So the fact that I was trading with 80% accuracy is why I was able to make $5,342 this week. Now, the exciting thing is that uh, this week I broke through the $12,500 uh, threshold. That's what you know. That's kind of the line in the sand that I really wanted to break this week, because that meant I'm halfway to twenty-five thousand dollars. 
and um, I was basically there yesterday. I started this morning with twelve thousand three hundred thirty-eight dollars, and then I made twenty-two hundred, twenty-two fifty. So I'm right under fifteen thousand dollars, which means I'm about ten thousand dollars away from twenty-five thousand. And uh, remember also that I said uh, I want to be at twenty-five thousand dollars of total equity by February first. Sorry, March 1st, but I was hoping I might be able to get there by President's Day weekend, which is a long weekend. So I'd really like to be able to celebrate the long weekend uh, knowing that I hit that goal. That means I have three weeks to make make, uh, $10,500. Okay, so I need to average about, you know, $3,500 a week. And based on my gains this week of $5,342, I should be able to do that. Hopefully, I will be able to do that, and I'll be able to um, enjoy President's Day weekend. Uh, but you know, if, if things slow down, then I'll just um, you know I'll just have to go with the flow, and and that's that's part of the deal with trading. Okay, so um, this is the that's the big picture of um, you know kind of broad brushstrokes of my small account. Now, during the week, I was also trading in my regular size account. And in my regular account, I trade a slightly different strategy where I can be a little bit more aggressive. I'm not as worried about losses. I'm not trying to um, you know, have really, really high consistency. I'm more looking for home run trades. And in that account, I made about $11,000. And as a result, I am now up on the month $39,112, making this the best month, um, better than any month I had in 2016, which is really exciting. So that's a great way to start the year. Uh, you know, January, great month, and we've still got two days left. So, you know, I'm hoping, I, I think $40,000 will be achievable as long as I have some good trades Monday and Tuesday. Uh, 45000 might be. 50000 you never know. I mean, maybe if we get a really good setup, um, you know, I'll be able to, I'll be able to do that. Now that type of gain probably wouldn't be in my small account. It would mostly be in my bigger account. Uh, in my bigger account, I've been taking 10,000 shares uh, on most of these trades. And when I get a nice 30, 40 cent move, you know, it's three, $4,000. Um, you know, yesterday I made 7,000 or 6,000 in my big account. And it's just, you know, 10,000 shares, 60 cent move, there's six grand. So, you know, obviously I'm not trading that aggressively in my small account. The reason is because if I take 10,000 shares and let's just, you know, run through the scenarios. Number one, what if I lose my internet connection and I'm offline and the stock drops 50 50 cents? I'm going to lose $5,000 and I'm going to lose, you know, 40% of my account. I can't afford that. Number two, what if I get into the trade and I don't lose internet connection, but it just drops really hard. I have trouble selling. Maybe my platform goes down. You know, there's a connectivity issue. I mean, there's just so many scenarios where something bad could happen. I cannot empower any single trade to potentially ruin uh, this challenge. And and that's why I have to be a little bit more conservative on my share size. Okay, so uh, as a result, you know, even though I took some of the same trades, I wasn't taking as much size in SureTrader. I was being more conservative. And so my gains are a little bit smaller this week um, compared to my big account. But I'm at a point today where I've got $83,000 in buying power. So I could take 10,000 shares, but I want to make sure I, you know, kind of take my time 
and don't get you know too carried away. I don't want to get myself into a situation where, like I said, I give back a lot of profit too soon. All right, so um, now let's talk about the best and worst trades of the week. Now that we've talked about the broad brush strokes, my best trade of the week was FFHL yesterday. Um, and in this trade, I made in my small account $1,900. And you can see here uh, my entry. Well, we we're watching this pre market uh, for a gap and go trade. I was watching it long over the pre market high of 359. The market opens and it pops up just a little bit, and I got in at 370. Unfortunately, I only filled 70 shares. I wanted 2,500. So, you know, my 70 shares, we squeezed up to 460, uh, 460, and then we pulled back, and I added 4,000 shares at 460 and sold them at $5. So, in that squeeze right there, you know, four times four, $1,600. Uh, then we pulled back off of five, and I added for a second break of $5, giving me another $200, $300 profit. The sad thing is that this could have been a five, $6,000 winner uh, in my big account if only I had been uh, able to get my full order filled. But this is sort of the luck of the draw where, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you get yourself set up and it just doesn't, uh, it just, you know, for whatever reason, your order doesn't fill and, you know, you got to sit on the sidelines. But even still, I made $1,900 on that gap and go trade. Two trades, 4,000 shares each. First entry was 370, uh, 70 shares. And then I added 2,500 at uh, 460, right around 460. And then we got the push up to five, pull back, and I added right here. You can see on this one minute break, I added here on the one minute pullback in anticipation that we would break over $5. And when I got in here, I got in low enough that when we broke over five, I was able to sell for profit, but we very quickly rolled over and it ended up being a false break, which was disappointing. But nonetheless, being quick, you know, punching the hotkeys, I was able to get in, get out, and book a couple hundred dollars on that one. Now, this is probably going to be a trend, uh, hopefully not, but uh, my best trade and my worst trade of the week were both on the same stock. So my worst trade of the week here, um, also on... Um, FFHL, and this is uh, was a $300 loss for me. I got in here, um, I wrote a five-minute pullback. This is actually a one-minute pullback here. I got in at $4, right, at this one-minute candle here. You can see we got this move up, a little pullback. I got in here thinking the break over $4 would bring us back towards $450, maybe even back towards high a day. So you could see here getting in for the first candle to make a new high right there, and then it just rejected and dropped down very quickly. So on that one, I lost a full uh, 15 cents with 2,000 shares, but I had reduced my share size to only 2,000 because I knew I was getting in in a place that was a little higher risk. Now, the big issue with this setup to me is that we retraced more than 50% of the move. The open price was 370, and we pulled all the way back to 370. I mean, we pulled all the way back to that level. So. To me, I should have been a little, well, I was, I was pretty cautious because I took only 2,000 shares instead of 4,000, but I think I could have been um, maybe mindful enough that I could have just passed on the trade completely 
because of the fact that we had retraced too much. Um, you know, even though we were consolidating above the nine moving average, which is good, I, I think it had pulled back a little bit too much. And I knew that it wouldn't be back on the high of day scanners until we got back up above 520, which was high of day. So to get in at $4, knowing we're not going to hit high day scanners until we, you know, hit 520, you need to have a lot of people that are watching the stock. And most people will see these stocks because they're hitting scanners. And we know it's not going to hit the scanner till it's back at the highs. So um, I think on this one, I maybe should have just passed on that trade. It's been hard this week. We've seen a lot of rejections at half dollars and whole dollars, where the stock breaks over this level like this, and then when it comes back down below it, the people who bought for the breakout, like myself, end up stopping out, number one. Number two, anyone who wants to short goes and takes a short position, and then you know, it drops back down. So you sort of have these, um, you know, these, these two groups of sellers, both uh, you know, piling on these stocks right around whole dollars. And, you know, my feeling on that, um, I know this has probably been a fun week for short sellers because we've had such strong rejections at these levels. At the same time, uh, you know, they'll say, well, these stocks are up for no good reason, so I'm going to short them. Fair enough. You know, some most of these stocks did have news. FFHL had news, but maybe it's up, you know, maybe it's irrationally strong. So, okay, they want to short the, the highs and ride the move back down, that's fine. But you know what creates parabolic movers, the ones that go up 100, 200, 300%? What creates that are two things. One, the stock starts squeezing up usually on some type of catalyst, whether it's a technical breakout or a fundamental breakout. It pulls back and short sellers short that first pullback. Long bias traders like myself see the pullback as an opportunity to buy. And so we buy the first candles to make a new high. And then as we squeeze through the high a day, I often add. At the same time, when we make new highs, anyone who shorted early needs to cover their position. So now you have two groups of buyers buying these breaks. Short sellers covering, buying to cover, and long bias traders buying to ride the momentum. So if you didn't have people shorting early, you wouldn't get these parabolic moves. Those parabolic moves are the result of early shorts having to cover, plus long bias traders wanting to get in to ride the momentum. It's, it's those two groups that create these movers. And, you know, the market really trades on, um, you know, this collective trading mentality where, you know, if you've got 20,000 traders who all think this is a good opportunity for a long bias, you know, a long position, they have a long bias on it, well, they're going to buy it, the stock's going to go up. And then, Again, you know, you, multi you say, well, you know, half of them have a short bias and want to short the tops. But eventually, when you have a stock that's really, really strong with a really good catalyst, those short sellers are going to end up getting squeezed. And that's the type of thing that we saw on DRYS when it went from $4 to $120. People were saying it's irrationally strong. And it was. I'm not going to deny that it wasn't. But the chart in that case just continued to run. And, you know, if you're shorting it, you've got to know when to throw in the towel. And whenever you throw in the towel, you're a buyer and you're buying to cover. And that just adds more and more buying. And that's when you create that imbalance between buyers and sellers. Now, the tricky thing is we don't know when a stock is going to squeeze from, you know, let's say $1.80 to $3.80 and then pull back. And when it's going to go to $4.85, $86, $7.80, $8.80. 
So that's the real challenge with, uh, you know, both. I mean, that's the challenge with trading in general, whether you're a long bias or short bias, you never know how far these stocks are going to go. So as a long bias trader, you know, if I get into a stock for a whole dollar break and it gives me a hard rejection, like we saw in FFHL here, um, you know, or that we saw here as well, I stop out. And, you know, when I stop out, I'm a seller. And that, of course, helps anyone that's shorting because you've got an imbalance between buyers and sellers. But on the flip side, you know, when these stocks start to squeeze up, first candle to make a new high, buyers come back in and anyone who's short needs to cover. So, you know, I hate to get into, um, you know, the whole, the whole thing of like shorts versus longs and the bashing that some people do. Um, you know, you guys know that I, I never do that. I'm not, um, I don't criticize someone who has a different point of view on a, on a trade than me, but at the same time, um, you know, it's, it's important to be mindful that we're all trading these same stocks and these stocks, whether they're going up or going down are impacted by collective trading mentality. So it's, it's not really that there's a, um, you know, a right or wrong, a stock can be irrationally strong or irrationally weak. And we just, we have to trade the chart. All right. So um, a little bit of a tangent there uh, off of uh, the best and worst trades of the week. Now, one of the things that I struggled with this week, and this is going to be the topic of the day. Uh, one of my struggles was employing mindfulness. All right. So this week was tricky because we didn't have a lot of good follow through. Now, when we have a slow week, you can do one of two things. You can take one of two paths. And the first path is uh, that you feel frustrated that you're not hitting your daily goal. And out of frustration, you decide to fight the market. You trade every day till 4 p.m. Maybe you even start trading after hours. You start to feel fatigued, you feel frustrated, and you're more apt to make mistakes. And that's a path that I've taken on many days. Days where, you know, I lost $200 in the first hour and I spent the next four or five hours trying to make back that 200 Instead of just throwing in the towel and saying today's not a great day, I kept trying to fight it out. And it took me a long time to realize that that was not a good path for me to go down on a day-to-day -day basis because we're all going to have days where the market's not on our side. And this whole week for me has been, uh, it really wasn't very good until Thursday and Friday. Thursday and Friday were the best days of the week, uh, and those two days made up, I'd say, like 85% of my profits from the entire week. All right, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Let's see, Monday I made 319, Tuesday I made 800, and Wednesday I made 468. And then Thursday I made 1900, and today I'm up 2200. So, you know, you can, you can see that when I'm connecting, I'm connecting, and when I'm not, it's just kind of like grinding. It's just sort of treading water. Not to say that 400 or $500 isn't good, but... It's not quite what I wanted to be achieving. And so here's the deal. On Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, I needed to take the second path, which was really to have the presence of mind to realize that the market is slow today and to simply wait for better opportunities. And on those three days, better opportunities didn't come. My best opportunities were in the first 30 minutes, first 45 minutes, and by the end of the first hour, by 10.30 Eastern, it was done. There was nothing really else to trade. Yes, I could have tried to stick it out. I could have tried to you know, pull up an ETF that has a lot of volatility and a big ATR. 
you know, try to trade gold or try to just, you know, trade spy options or something like that. But that's going down that path of frustration, fatigue, uh, where you're more apt to make mistakes and you're, you're much more likely to give back profits. All right. So I'm going to give you um, I'm going to give you a real life example of this. So this week I had to um, run an errand during uh, the snowstorm. And we had a snowstorm here in New England. This uh, it was Tuesday night and Wednesday. All right. Now, this errand uh, involved driving what would typically be only be about an hour. It ended up being more than two hours because instead of being able to drive at regular highway speeds, I could only drive you know, 30, 40 miles an hour most of the way. And this is the same highway that I usually drive on and that I can usually drive 65, 70 on, right? But the difference was that Tuesday was not the right type of day to drive 70 miles an hour in the snow, all right? So let's go ahead and get, um, uh, this is video of me driving on a Tuesday. And that was the highway. Driving in the middle of the road because basically that's the best place to be. And there's, you know, the speed limit or there's an easy pass or something signed. But, you know, I'm driving 40 miles an hour. And that is, even that at times felt too fast. So, you know, I could have chosen to beat myself up and say, you know, I'm supposed to make this drive in one hour, right? Every single time I take this drive, it takes an hour. This is unacceptable. It's taking longer than an hour. This should be a one hour long drive, right? And I could get flustered and I could get frustrated. But you know what? Some days are like this. You know, we all want to get there and, you know, achieve our daily goal, our $500 a day. It's just like trading. You know, we've got $500 a day, but not every single day is the right type of day uh, where that's going to happen. And so you can do one of two things. You know, path one is, uh, you know, in the case of driving, you slow down and, you know, you drive, you know, 30 miles an hour. And then the second path is that you try to go 60 and you end up being one of those guys that's off on the side of the road, right? And same with trading. You know, you either trade smart, you minimize your risk, or you push it, you get frustrated, and you end up having a max loss, a completely unnecessary loss, all right? Now, uh, even as I say all of this, it took me a really long time to develop a sense of mindfulness, uh, to, to get to the point where I could uh, walk away down a couple hundred dollars and not feel, you know, like I was, um, you know, and, and just not feel really frustrated and disappointed with myself. Um, so, you know, at that point when I would have those days, it almost felt like I had tunnel vision. Like I would become another person. I would just be so focused, completely hyper-focused on, I can't close down even a dollar. I need to close the day green. But at the end of the day, it actually doesn't matter. Today and yesterday are two days that, you know, in these last two days I've made, let's see, I'm up a combined almost $4,000 today plus $7,000 yesterday in my two accounts. $11,000 in two days. These more than make up for the fact that Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday were slow. But it took me a long time to realize that. And so what changed? Well, um, you know, I realized that I needed to uh, practice mindfulness. I needed to be mindful of my emotional state 
and to start to become aware of my emotional responses that I would have and how those could trigger this kind of downward spiral of anger, frustration, irritation, et cetera, et cetera. So how do I do it? Well, this is what I did. After every single trade I would take, I would write down my emotional state. How do I feel, right? So I just took a trade and, you know, do I feel happy? Do I feel angry? Do I feel frustrated? Do I feel like I want to throw my computer out the window? You know, and to really give an honest answer. And if the answer is anything that is likely to be kind of on the extremes of emotion, which is like really, really happy, because that can be just as bad because you can get overconfident or, you know, really, really frustrated, then I'm going to say, you know what, it's time to throw in the towel and and just just get out, leave the office. And it took, like I said, a long time to get to that point, but the best thing you can do is start writing down your emotional state after every single trade, just as a log. And you'll start to realize that uh, there's certain things that are triggers for you. One of my triggers is when I have my daily goal, I'm up four or $500, and then I go red. When I go from up $500 to being down even $30, it's infuriating. It makes me so frustrated, uh, irrationally so. It's just, I feel so annoyed because it's like I had it. It's like you had the fish on the line and then it's gone and you'll, you just, you let it go. And you feel stupid for having that happen. You know it's your own fault. You had the day and now it's gone. And, um, you know, so I realized that's one of my triggers. So, you know, one of my rules during the time when I was really struggling with kind of maintaining my composure was that if I was you know, up 500, which was my daily goal at the time, and I went down into the red, I was done trading. You know, I'm now at a point where um, I can usually get myself, I, I can usually trade when I have gone from green to red. I wouldn't go from my new daily goal of 1,000. If I was, went from that to being red, I would also throw in the towel because that's just, that's a bad day. Obviously something went wrong that I lost a thousand or twelve hundred dollars on a trade. So that's you know one of the things that I think can really help um, to help uh, to help you improve your sense of awareness. And something that you also need to be mindful of is what's going on with the overall market. You know, are we having a day where everyone is trading? You know, this one stock or these two stocks? Because you know, this week lots of traders were all over GLBS, and you know, I'll show you here GLBS. Uh, the very beginning of the week, you know, his Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, just so choppy. But so many people were trading it on Monday because it, it looked like it was maybe going to go parabolic. And so unfortunately, that drew all of that collective mentality, all that collective energy onto this kind of junky stock. So lots of traders were focused on GLBS. And then, uh, you know, on Tuesday, I can't remember what we had. Tuesday, we had... Um, only one trade. There was like nothing on Tuesday. I traded BGI. Wednesday, we had Orex and CDTI, but CDTI ended up being um, very sloppy, just totally crushed right out of the gates. So, you know, this is the sort of market that we were in at the beginning of the week. And I said, look, guys, you know, I want to trade just as much as you do. I want to have some good gains and, you know, have some big winners. But I can't afford to make mistakes in my small account. I need to trade smart. And right right now, that might mean uh, sitting on my hands, holding my hands, literally holding my hands and saying, no, don't take any more trades. Just sit, wait, 
be patient. There will be opportunities that come around, and maybe you've got to wait till tomorrow. So I think that sort of also comes back to um, embracing the concept that trading is a marathon. This is a career that you could be um, you could be doing for the rest of your life. So you don't want to do something you know in, that in one day could jeopardize your entire account, right? I mean. You know, I've had bad days, but you don't want to have a day that you could potentially blow up your account and it puts you, you know, completely out of the out of the game. So you have to trade smart. This is a marathon. And, you know, every single day that you get a little bit of profit is a small step forward. A day where you lose a little bit of money. You know, when you look back on it a month later, you're like, that's no big deal. Why was I getting all beaten out of shape about that? You know, it's it was it was not an issue. I shouldn't have gotten myself so frustrated. And again, I say all of this having been at the point where I would get really, really angry, you know, where I would just feel just, I mean, almost like, you know, just completely furious and mostly with myself for feeling like I couldn't identify the right setup or that I would do something so stupid as to get in this trade that high, et cetera, et cetera. When you have those emotional responses, you just have to start to be aware of them and realize that those are not going to help you be a better trader. So when you feel that way, you got to just step back a little bit. All right. So now um, let's uh, have a Ask the Warrior uh, session here where you guys can ask me questions uh, that you've had over the week that you've been thinking about. And I'll make sure um, we answer these um, as best as I can. So uh, I'd love to hear how your week went, uh, if there's anything that you struggled with or uh, your best and worst trades, et cetera. All right, so let's see. Um, you know, and Michael, right, I know, that's the thing. I, I'm up, uh, you know, had a great week, 14,000, 15,000, whatever it is. Um, I'm up I'm up to 14,000 in the SureTrader account. But uh, even today, my last trade was a loser. I lost on GLBS 26 cents with 1,000 shares, you know, down $265. So I think that... Um, it's almost good for me to end the day on a loser because it keeps me humble. It keeps me from getting overconfident. And then I come in the next day, just sort of reset. And so I really don't mind ending on a small loss because um, it does sort of soften that, um, that sense of confidence that you can get from having a big green day. So I think it's actually, it's actually a good thing. My biggest daily gain this year is, let's see, um, um, $9,563 in my speed trader account. Um, on that day I had a $12,000 winner on DFFN and I had a loser on, I can't remember what it was. Um, let's see, let me scroll back. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah. I lost 1400 on cool. Um, let's see. So, um, Daniel, the best way to deal with the trader emotions? Well, you know, for me, a couple things that have helped. Um, when I used to get into the habit of, you know, making rules and then breaking the rules, I created a punishment of running a mile for every rule that I broke. Once I realized that I would sometimes choose to run a mile so I could have the ability to break a rule, I said, new rule is that you run five miles regardless of whether you break one rule or you break 10. Uh, and 
after my last five mile run in the rain, I said, that's it. I'm, I really am not going to break rules anymore. And it just, you know, that's what it took. Uh, having rules and then having the discipline to enforce them. That really helped there. Um, you know, and I, I, it may be unconventional, but for me it worked. And yeah, I, fig I figured I'd either be, um, at the end of this all, I'd either be in great shape and broke, or, you know, I'd be, I wouldn't be running anymore and I'd be making money. Fortunately, my physical uh, fitness has kind of um, stabilized it at just so-so, which is good. Um, let's see. So, yeah, and um, I haven't read that book, Trading in the Zone, but I, I did read a book. I think Mike might have read that one. Um, I did read uh, Trade Mindfully by Gary Dayton, and I recommend that to a lot of our students because it, it's a good book on, uh, on mindfulness, which, again, is one of those things that I wouldn't have expected I would need to think about or care about being a trader, but... Um, you know, the emotions of fear and greed and, um, you know, being happy and upset all are a very big part of the experience of a trader. Um, let's see. So um, the max share size on my small account, biggest shares uh, actually were today, uh, 6,000 shares of EYES, or sorry, um, ESES, which is a $1.60 stock. So even though it was pretty big share size, it was a cheap stock. So I didn't feel like I had a lot of money in that trade. In total, I had uh, only $10,000 in that trade. So, um, you know, the, the risk there wasn't, wasn't too bad. But I've been keeping share size moderate. 6,000 uh, was the highest. 4,000 and 2,000 is kind of, um, has been standard. You know, this is one of these things where, you know, hitting the first trade out of the gates, hitting that gap and go, um, you know, gives you that quick win as soon as the, the market opens. And then uh, there's that tendency, if you didn't fully capitalize on it, to go in for the second and third trades. And then if those stocks don't end up being strong, you end up giving back profit, which is something that can be really frustrating. Uh, fortunately, today, I was able to, um, you know, do fairly well on uh, the gappers that I was trading. But even MYOS, you know, I only made a thousand bucks in my small account on this one, um, despite the fact that it moved pretty nicely from 340 up to four, what was it, 407. I just I couldn't take enough size because I was restricted on margin. I've got that margin restriction, and that made it so um, I couldn't take uh, big size. Um, let's see, um, any other questions? MYOS, this was on our scan for former runners and, uh, the pattern really was about the daily chart as it was starting to curl up here. Lincoln, yeah, when you sell on the bid, that is essentially like placing a market order because, uh, you know, that's the market price. Selling on the bid is like a market order. The only difference is that by having a limit, if your limit is, you know, uh, let's say your the the bid is three dollars, your limit's two ninety five. You won't get anything lower than two ninety five when you sell. Whereas a market order, you could get filled to two seventy or you know two fifty if it drops fast enough. When that's the danger. And Mitch, yeah, what I've been trying to do on all of my trades is twenty cent max loss, and you know, on most trades, ten cent max loss. But like on GLBS today, I lost twenty six cents. 
I was only trying to risk 16, but it dropped quickly. And so that's what it was. Now, it's disappointing because I don't think that trade really had the potential to give me a $500 winner unless it had moved 50 cents. And I'm not sure that that would have happened. So a little disappointed on that one. But, um, you know, overall, I, I think I... I did the best I could to minimize the loss. And I'm glad that I traded with small size so that if I did lose, the loss wouldn't be too too bad. So, um, Jose, becoming faster with hockeys. You know, hockeys are definitely a big part of my trading and a big part of almost any active trader's um, strategy. So one of the things that you could do to practice and that I've done is sit on my computer at night, take you know, unplug the computer or take out the battery, and... Um, just practice those hotkeys. Just start typing. You know, just start punching the keys, testing it out, and seeing whether or not you're getting, um, you know, faster at it. You could also go uh, for our students that are in the course. We we have you guys take a typing test because um, I like to know how fast you can type. And um, you know, if you can improve your typing skills, you could start taking some typing tests. You could do that. You know, maybe just once a night. Do uh, an, uh, 30 minutes of studying one of those typing test to try to get you faster with your keys. That would help you also. And MYOS, I mean, on the one hand, I think that it looks good for a move back up towards $7 based on this chart. On the other hand, it's still up at a real premium versus where it was at before this spike. It was $1.24. So we're still up like 300%. So I wouldn't want to hold the stock up that much in case they do something like a secondary offering or you know, I don't know, just I, I wouldn't want to hold it overnight, so I'm not, um, but I'll, I'll keep it on watch for day trades in case something else opens up. And yeah, the label maker, I they absolutely label my hotkeys. Um, I labeled them on the computer that I used to trade with over here, and now on this one, I just memorized where they are, so I didn't need to write them a second time, but um, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely recommend uh, using the label maker. It'll help you. So daily profit target is $500. 500 a day is the minimum goal. That'll get me to $100,000 in the small account by the end of the year. But obviously, I aim for 1000 And if I can do $1,000 a day, that will get me to the goal that much faster and make this year that much better. You know, at the same time, I just kind of have to do, um, you know, go with the market. I think last year I averaged like $970 a day. Um, you know, so, I mean, we'll see, we'll, I'll do the best I can, but if, uh, we have slow days, then, you know, we just got to play it smart. Uh, Kelly, 250 trading days in the year. My daily gain and my daily loss targets are the same. Yeah. Right now my max loss is also about 500 or I probably wouldn't trade if I was down more than $500. So, um, that would be, that would still be my max loss. And Tucker, your question about uh, staying in winning trades longer, you're getting out too early. Uh, this is something that I used to struggle with as well. And that's why I started selling half of my position and then adjusting my stop to break even. So when I was up 20 cents, I sell half instead of the whole thing. And then I hold the rest as long as I can. And sometimes that means I sell another quarter when I'm up a bit more or another eighth or whatever it might be. But that has helped me increase my average winners. Although at the same time, it's increased my commissions. So, you know, the big picture is that commissions, if you trade with a larger size, uh, are not a big factor. I mean, it's just part of the deal. And 
you got to do what's right for the the winner, the wins, and getting those big, uh, those big trades. And Diana, no, the hockey software is built into your trading platform. So, like SureTrader, SpeedTrader, it's built in. Same with Lightspeed. Same with Interactive Brokers. Uh, same with Ameritrade. Tips to improve the entries. Uh, so the biggest tip I would have would be to focus on the five-minute chart. And when you're trading on the five-minute chart, your entry should be down to the penny. You know, for instance, um, on, let's see, what was a good one? Um, we had ETRM the other day do a nice clean five-minute pullback. So let's go back to that one. Yeah, I think it was here. So ETRM, for instance, this was on the 25th. Um, and the proper entry was at 739 to the penny. I mean, this was the proper entry. The first candle to make a new high was as we broke 739. So 739, 740 was the proper entry at uh, 135 in the afternoon on the 25th. This actually wasn't the spot I was looking at, but it works just as well. It's a good five minute pattern. So if you have your entry and you have it dialed into the penny, then uh, there, you know, all you have to do is make sure you're pressing your order soon enough that you're able to get filled at that spot. Uh, Darren, let me look at your question. Um, okay, when you hit the hot key, nothing happens. One of the things you got to make sure you're doing is um, that you're in the level two window when you're pressing those hotkeys. So you actually have to have your mouse in that, well, the mouse doesn't have to stay in that window, but you've got to click that window and usually you'll have like a red box around it to show you that that window is highlighted. That's how you know that the hotkeys will work. Otherwise, like some of the hotkeys like uh, that your computer just generally has, like the music, making the music go up and down, their audio, those will work regardless of what programs open or what windows highlighted. But hotkeys only work when you're in the trading platform and when you've got that window highlighted. So just double check that um, and make sure uh, that's not what's going on there. Sometimes level two gets screwed up and I have this, um, you know, really on, on pretty much all of my platforms where sometimes you'll see an order that just gets stuck um, where you'll get across level two instead of being 305 by 310, it shows, you know, 310 by 305. You know, it's showing the bid higher than the ask. And if you tried to place your order, you wouldn't, that bid gets ignored. I don't know why those get stuck there sometimes. So on ETRM, uh, for example, how would I ensure that I got the right entry price? If I wanted to get in at 339 and I knew that was the price I wanted to enter, now I would start watching the level two. And if I started seeing a lot of buyers coming in at 337, 338, I might just press my order in anticipation of the break. Alternatively, I might wait until we break 39 and get in at 40. So I'm comfortable using a five cent offset where I would get filled as high as 744, but I wouldn't want to be filled higher than five cents above the trigger. So within five cents of the trigger below, above or below is, is usually okay with me. And Don, yeah, you can trade more than uh, one stock at a time in the simulator. Uh, and, and of course with real money too. Although for me, I don't trade more than one stock at a time uh, almost ever. I really focus on one trade at a time uh, because that's one way for me to mitigate risk. You know, if you're trading three stocks, you can't give your full focus to each of those three. So inevitably, one kind of takes the back burner. And that's okay if you're swing trading or if you're holding longer term positions. But when you're day trading, that can be a little tricky because you really want to focus on each of them pretty equally. 
yeah, my hotkeys uh, for sure are compatible with Speed Trader and Sure Trader because they're both a Dash Trader uh, platform. And Mitch, no, I, I don't trade pre-market, and I don't think I plan to, um, you know, unless we see some real shift in the way these stocks trade, where they only move pre-market. But I, I haven't seen that any indication that that would happen. So I'm going to focus on waiting till the bell rings for my trades. Um, so, and uh, yeah, MYOS was on a former runner scanner, and it was on our watch list from yesterday because yesterday it was gapping up. So we just kept it on watch today. Well, at what point does share size risk increase, uh, risk the, increase the risk that you won't get filled? Uh, Joseph, that's a good question. And that depends on a couple of factors. Depends on the amount of volume in the, in the stock you're trading. Um, and it depends on the price. It depends on the float. So based on those things, some stocks you can buy 30,000 shares, no problem. And other stocks, it can be hard to even buy 5,000 shares. So for most of the stocks that we're trading on a day-to-day -day basis, buying 10,000 shares or buying 20,000 shares is not usually an issue. And I know that because I've traded those sizes on a fairly regular basis. I don't usually go as high as 20,000. But um, on the days that I have, I didn't have an issue. So but I think 30,000 would be pushing it, 40,000 would be harder, and 50,000, it just depends. I mean, stocks like PULM today had a lot of volume, so that would have been one that you could have taken 50,000 shares of, but um, you wouldn't have been able to do that with MYOS or uh, ESES. I mean, you could have, but you wouldn't have gotten good fills is the problem. All right, guys, so um, I will... Um, I will leave it at that for today. And uh, if you guys do have other questions, you can, of course, email me, ross at warriortrading.com, or I will see you guys first thing on Monday morning. So I hope you guys all have a great weekend, and I will see you um, on Monday. All right, thanks, guys. Let's be honest. If you made it this far, you must have really enjoyed that video. So what's stopping you? Subscribe right here and get email alerts anytime I upload new content. Until then, happy surfing!